Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. And the reason you're seeing me is I am interviewing Lisa and Mary today. So for a very special episode of Great Women in Compliance and hopefully some other podcasts as well. So guys, first of all, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Lovely to be here. So the reason we're doing this is we're coming up to the 200th anniversary episode. Mary is going to retire as one of the co-hosts. So I asked the ladies if we could sit down and maybe reflect, ask them to reflect back on some of the things they've learned, the highlights, the fun, and where either they have taken the GWIC community or probably more appropriately where the GWIC community has taken them. Uh, With that long-winded introduction, maybe I could start with you, Lisa. Tell us about the kernel of the idea that became Great Women in Compliance. I think, Tom, we've talked about this and told this story before because you were there at the the first moment when not only the podcast, but the name was started. And that was at a conference a few years ago, I guess five now or four, time flies, pre-pandemic. <laughs> and Mary and I said to you, you had the podcast, Compliance Podcast Network was nowhere near where it is today, but you mm. still had some podcasts going and none of them were hosted by women. And you, as a true supporter of women, looked at us and said, why don't you do it? And from there, the next day, frankly, I've said before, I thought it was just conference bar talk, but the next day you interviewed us and that was became episode one in the fall of 2018. And now when we look back on it, we really didn't know what we were doing or what we were getting into or what we were building. And I think we built something. And Mary, one of the things I give her the most credit for was our LinkedIn community. And suddenly right away, it went from this thing that we talked about into really something that's bigger than both of us and turned into a book where we where the people who are interested in this shared their stories. And what's always amazing to me is to this day, I hear different things from people and it really still resonates. And whether it was people talking about the book at Compliance Week and a story that I saved for here to tell you and Mary, which I'll throw in right now, was that I got an email last week from somebody who had some very strong opinions about where concerned about where the podcast was going. Frankly, they were concerned that if I was doing interviews and roundtables, somehow we were going to be selling out to sponsors. And I wrote a long email back. What's important about that and what really hit me was this was somebody who had said, I just found this. I'm listening to this all the time. Please, you and Mary have made a difference to me and all of your listeners. Keep some of that and don't change others. I assured her that was not happening, that we were not becoming a selling of products, but just even that happened last week to me, just reminded me of what we started with, which was that conversation coming to today where people have opinions on where this goes next. So tell us the origin story of GWIC. Mary, you uh, want to take a swing Mary, at it? Oh, they take that one. Sure. So from that seed that germinated at the conference in 2018, we went about planning how we would do the format, the frequency. And those of you who have been with us since the very beginning may recall that we weren't always weekly. We started out doing podcasts every two weeks. And I think that was a relatively safe 
way to do it. From a time perspective, Lisa and I were really only responsible for an episode each once a month. And we were inspired and motivated to increase the frequency to once every week when we learned that the podcast was being listened to people other than our direct family members, which in and of itself, I know many of you know this, we've told our story about this many times, was something that took us by pleasant surprise. And we increased the frequency. We thought about adding bonus episodes, which were to cover off guests who may not necessarily have been uh, great women in compliance themselves, but would have something to share with women who were great women in compliance um, because we wanted to add in that diversity of thought and representation. So that what started off as something that we were doing about once a month commitment each has really turned into a passion project And I think something that's become a part of us, one of the things that I'll struggle with the most is that this has become entwined with Lisa's and my identity. Lisa and I have become, our identities have become entwined with each other. And um, that angle is, is something important to bear in mind for things like personal branding. When that changes, what happens next? The podcast is something that started off as a hobby, but has now really become an intricate part of our lives, not only as individuals, but at least as in, in my life as co-hosts and friends. As impressive as what you guys have done in the podcast arena, frankly, for me, the more impressive thing is the community. And there's a, a real GWIC community. And people talk about the GWIC community. And you can go to any podcast, not podcast, you can go to any compliance conference, maybe some podcast conferences, because you guys have won podcast awards. But if you go to a compliance conference, people know what a GWIC is and they know what the GWIC is. And so I was wondering if both of you could maybe reminisce a little bit about just the community you have created really beyond just the podcast world. Lisa, would you like to go first? Sure. And I think the podcast really, when Mary was just talking about our identities, the podcast now transcends and the community that it's built transcends mm. us. I think that to us was one of the most amazing parts of it, realizing that there was a community and the level of engagement among people was in sometimes more significant than what Mary and I might put in on a day-to-day basis because they were getting to know one another and building friendships, sending the elevator back down. Sorry, Mary, I beat you to saying it today, but it happens occasionally, but it's, which is a quote that comes from Mary and is amazing, but that we've seen that and that, comes from people who are caring about each other and we're helping one another through like good days and bad days, whether it's finding jobs or getting advice. And it's something that I, again, I give Mary a ton of credit for coming up with the LinkedIn community initially, because it's been one of the most gratifying things to see how people all work together. And like you said, it, it really always throws me when we go to a podcast, a, a, a conference or an event when people either seem to know us or is excited about it, or particularly when somebody will rep- will reference an episode or something they remember or how it impacted them. And that is something that the podcasting or even the book couldn't have done for us. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think those of you out there who have reached out to us, affirmed us as practitioners, as people you found to be inspiring, 
you perhaps don't know the effect that you've had. I had some really difficult times in in some of my chapters of the podcast where um, some individuals were going out of their way to make me feel like I didn't belong in the compliance space. And that's not something that I've really talked about publicly, but I will share that with this commemorative episode is that I never had to have imposter syndrome over that time. I was too busy, distracted, feeling miserable by others trying to bring me down. And those of you who reached out to Lisa and myself in that time really gave me a lot of strength, remembered the abilities that I do have, and really brought me out of a pretty miserable place at times. So I'm very grateful for the community in terms of what you've given back to Lisa and myself. Let me pick up on something you said, Mary, which is the imposter syndrome. You've talked about that, or you guys have talked about that in Pine. The imposter syndrome is, to my mind, pretty invidious because it tells people not that they're simply not good enough or they're just faking it. It really keeps them from doing a lot of different things. And I want to focus specifically on podcasts. We've all three known lots of people who are great conversationalists, lovely to be around, very outgoing. We all would think they would make great podcast guests. Yet when you put them behind a mic, they either freeze up, they have difficulties, they're nervous. And I know you have faced that with many of the people you wanted to have as guests. How did you get people to overcome that to be a podcast guest? I think for me, it was one recognizing first off that We didn't want to increase trauma in anybody's lives. We didn't want to put people in an overly difficult situation. But at least for me, I would say I also saw the opportunity for someone to see how far they could really fly and what they had in them. So where someone was initially reluctant to be on the show or perhaps procrastinated, I made sure to keep following up. Even if it took years, I never forgot individuals that I thought would make great guests and What I think was an honor for Lisa and myself was people who aren't necessarily on the speaking circuit, that we wanted to get the diversity of thought and new voices on the show. So we made it our mission to to do that gently, and I hope in a supportive way to those that this applies to. And I think those individuals, at least from the feedback that I got, felt really triumphant at the end. And I think the most common thing that I heard, and Lisa, I'll be interested to hear if you got the same in your interviews, when finishing up a recording, I've lost count of the number of times that someone would say, almost half surprised with a smile on their face, wow, that was really fun. So people enjoyed the recording as well. And so it was a real honor to be able to help bring some people out of their shell and show them that they can do this. And that means that, of course, the door is now open for many more podcasts and other types of appearances to come. Yeah, I would, I'm going to follow up on that for a second. I agree. People said, wait, that was fun. The other thing that I found that I did with a couple people, two points I just wanted to raise. One is someone would say, I don't feel like I'm enough of a thought leader. I've heard some of your guests. And then I thought, wait, everybody is a thought leader. You, I'm talking to you because I think you're, a thought leader. And I think you're bringing something to the table that again, in a way which not to make somebody feel pressured into doing it. And the other thing I would say a couple of times to people is, look, let's just try it. If you don't like mm-hmm. it, we don't have to, we, we'll record it. You can listen. If you don't have to, let's just do this because I think you're someone 
that people will want to hear from. And then at the end, they often said, like Mary just said, the few people that we were in that, oh, I'll do that. That was pretty fun. I forgot I was recording for a few minutes. It was a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, make up for it. And especially for that experience, because I think women suffer from imposter syndrome more frequently than men. Let me ask you a little bit about style. And obviously, we all have our own unique style. My podcast, I hope, have a certain style. And your podcast has a certain style and very conversational. And Mm -hmm. I feel like whether I'm listening to Lisa or Mary, I'm literally watching you sit at a table and have a conversation over a cup of coffee with somebody. Would that be a fair characterization of your style? Is it something different? I will say it's different than mine, but nothing wrong with that. But how would you... How did you come by your style? Is it just an outgrowth of how you talk to people over a cup of coffee? Tell me a little bit about that, because I'm really intrigued by your style. I guess I'll take this one first, since Mary took the last. I I think, obviously, it's evolved over time as I've become more comfortable in doing this. It was very intimidating. We're talking about imposter syndrome at Mm. first when I was reaching out to people I didn't know that well, and they didn't know the podcast, um, to be myself. But I also think... That's how I connect with people, whether they're going to like it or not. This is the conversation. and This is who I am. And I think for us to really make it, we keep talking about the theme of community, is it's not there to show my knowledge or information about different things or what I'm doing, but to be able to contribute to someone else's discussion. So I feel like it's always a work in, in, in progress or a process to develop. But I think it's important for people to see that you can be who you are. And still be able to do things like a podcast or speak, because that's just, I think that's the most effective way. And if I put on Be Yourself, everyone else is taken. This is how I want to have conversations and what we're sharing. That's really where I come out on it. So my question is, Tom Fox, what is your self-assessed style? So my style is I try to be conversational within the structure of a general outline so that my, my mantra is no surprises, that what I'm going to ask doesn't mean I'm going to stick to the outline. We can go down a rabbit trail, but this is not Journalism 101. This is a business podcast, and I'm going to try to be professional about it. But in many ways, I rarely get to sit down with somebody for 30 minutes or an hour and just say, tell me about yourself or tell me about X. And the the ability or the the luxury of doing that is something I really cherish. If I have a style, I would say it's an interview with hopefully no surprises. Everybody's going to be pleased with, and I hear a lot, just what you guys hear. Gosh, I didn't know that was 30 minutes. It sure seemed like mm, five minutes. Exactly. I think, too, I'm going to say one more thing, and then Mary, I think we both, and Mary does an amazing outline. I put together bullet points to guide people. We do generally talk to them ahead of time so that the conversation generally doesn't surprise them. Because some people, and some people really want to stick with the outline, some people completely go in another direction. But again, like what you're saying, we want people to feel comfortable. So we generally talk about, at least for me, they pick some topic they want to talk about, obviously their background, and then it always, it takes a life of its own. So I think we try to have some sort of organization while giving people freedom to feel comfortable. So... I'm sure you guys have had some funny episodes and other than perhaps 
your multiple openings, Lisa. What are some of the funniest episodes that you have experienced in the greater WIC? Mary, you want to start that one? Yeah, my answer is 100% Lisa's false starts. There is nothing funnier to me. And the <laughs> fact that it's been consistent, I just love that so much. It, it just feels like home for the podcast. And Lisa, I hope that doesn't change because it's almost, it's, a, it's an expectation. It, it just, it gives me the giggles every single time. And I'm not laughing at you. It is just a, yep, this is on brand for us. That's, to me, that's part of our brand now. Yep. And I say before I start a podcast recording that there's a 50-50 chance that I'm going to mess up the introduction. And in some ways, sometimes that makes guests feel... Yeah, alive. totally. I, and I think some of my favorite funny memories are just the conversations that you and I, even when we schedule them, like the Gwikis. Like those oh, yeah. so many funny memories. And they're the things that we even... I think the preparation for that, which you won't hear, yes. is... Mary and I are bursting out laughing the whole time because we call them our world famous episodes. And because everyone's wondering who will get a wiki, which no one they does. Are. They well, totally I, are. Some of them are. We have a hard competition <laughs> for funniest person in compliance. But, but, every, but it's just that part to me. Some of that stuff and some of the things that come out unscripted are mm. really fantastic. And the other one is when we did our first recordings and we sat with Matt Kelly and asked him basically, oh. how do we record a podcast? <laughs> Yeah, that looking back and, you know, they say never listen to your first podcast because it will be disastrous. And not only have I never done that, but I typically don't listen to my episodes over again after we submit them to Tom for production. So I hope for those of you listening that you've seen some kind of improvement, especially if you've been with us since day one, which was the somehow Lisa and I, this wasn't deliberate, but we basically did, I think it was 11 minutes or 13 minute episodes. And for me, I remember that felt like a lifetime. So I'm shocked that there are people out there saying, oh, that 30 minutes just flew by. Poof, those 11 minute ones, they felt like marathons at the time. And Mary, I almost forgot one other thing. That's one of my favorite funny memories. I can't, yeah. you know, we're still waiting to hear back from Dolly Parton to see if we oh. can do nine to five as our theme song. Yeah, I'm actually getting a little bit miffed at Dolly about that. She's one of my favorite people on earth for what she does and her talents. And I think as a true individual, Dolly Parton, as I really respect her for that, but really she could have just done us the courtesy of a response as to whether or not we could use nine to five as our theme song, I would have thought. Even Jacinda Ardern wrote back to us. She was yeah. managing a country. Yeah, I know. Do Dolly yep. just sings country. <laughs> yeah, we, for those who don't know, we spend a lot of time because someone out, you know, we were asked originally what to do on our theme song to be and did not really think about IP. So we had a lot of fabulous ideas and then settled on <laughs> nine to five. And I wrote a letter to her, her organization just saying, could we use this? And maybe between saving literacy and curing yes. COVID, she was a little maybe for the podcast. Maybe. Possible. I'm willing to give her that. Should we write back, Lisa? We should probably let her know how we're doing. Yeah. I think this is better than the other scenario, which would have been not realizing anything at all about IP, using nine to five very exuberantly, and then getting sued by Dolly Parton. I feel like being ignored by Dolly is preferred to being sued by her. Yeah, probably, and especially for Tom and Sarah Haddon's sake. <laughs> so let me turn to maybe one or two of each of your favorite memories or just favorite 
things about your GWIC experience. And I'm actually going to start with my favorite, oh, okay. which was sure. the following. I interviewed Edie Edens. And of course, I had my outline and we're going down it. And about the third question, I can't remember what she said, but we went down a complete rabbit hole and we tossed the whole outline and I ended up talking to her for an hour. And I thought, wow, this is why Mary and Lisa love this. This was so much fun. And we talked about her growing up and how she met her husband and her kids and her jobs. And it was absolutely great. So that's probably my favorite GWIC experiences when I got to do a GWIC podcast. And you guys are kind enough to let me post it on your show. So with that, what are a couple of your favorite experiences? And Lisa, you want to start? Yeah. And first of all, I want to say part of talking about that is as we go to a GWIC, going towards a GWIC 2.0, I've been reflecting a lot on what we've done so far. And I will say, and it's not just to stay on someone's good side here, but I, Mary, building this relationship and friendship and working relationship and throughout this whole period and even going forward with the cool things she's doing next, I think really embodies what GWIC is. It's mm -hmm. both the, and my dad often talks about roots and wings. We pulled this thing together and now it's the, and we've grown a community and we are, we're spouses for life. Even if mm -hmm. she's not hosting, spoiler alert, she's got a book coming out and she's going to be one of the first guests, which yes, I can't, I can't thank you, but I'm just saying, so really building a business work collaboration relationship with someone and going through this adventure it's really been one of my favorite parts about it. I know you might want me to talk about a particular podcast or something else episode. There are things that didn't record. There's lots of things, but really reflecting on, to me, not really the community, but this little small community, the two of us, is huge. Thanks, Lisa. That's so meaningful. And the feeling is mutual. What an incredible experience. And on a funny note, this reminds me of something that Mel Sponholtz texted me recently about you and I, and it was something along the lines of, you guys are like Sunny and Cher. You might divorce, but you won't be able to stay away from each other, which I just thought was hilarious. Of course, just for anyone who's listening and misreading the word divorce, do not be alarmed. There is no actual divorce. It was just the analogy that Mel used, but I thought it was incredibly funny to, to hear someone say that. And yeah, absolutely, Lisa. It's been so joyous chatting with you this time and having the support of each other. There isn't a way in which I could conceivably imagine this being just the one of us going through it and having a support crew for each other, I think was incredible. And I thank you so much for one of the things that I'm most grateful for when it comes to partnering with you on this was you gave me a lot of latitude and trusted me to try new ideas. So the bonus episodes, for example, I was nervous when I first proposed those that you'd be like, that wasn't the concept that we discussed. And your response was something along the lines of, I love this. I think it's a great idea. So thank you so much for the incredible support and allowing us to evolve into to something beyond what we'd originally discussed. Um, so pleased with everything, and I am sure Mel Sponholtz is right. Try getting rid of me. Well, maybe we could end, Lisa, if you could maybe give us a teaser of Quick 2.0. I'll give you two teasers, but not too much, because until we can actually hit the 2.0, I want to focus a lot on getting 200 to 2.0, just focus on Mary and our experience. But I'll give you two. One, we are going to, which is what the woman was very concerned about, is going to have 
two, two roundtables a month, which are not going to be product-based, but we'll have three or four women, including Mary sometimes. Again, back to the theme of you can't get rid of me. And then the other one is in episode 198, we, will, we do have someone who's going to help support as a co-host and also a friend of the podcast, and we will be announcing that then. Again, I thought it would be a nice thing to do before we, we close off so people will know that. And we're also, so there will be a, Europe, as I'm calling it, no offense Europeans, it's a European summer where I will be taking off between <laughs> July and first week of September. But those are the big things. Some, and I'm sorry to break this to Mary, but I think the, the cover art is not going to be purple anymore. But those are the three teasers. There'll be a new color cost and some round tables. And Mary is a very early guest. To talk about the I'm going to actually wrap this episode up because <laughs> I wanted to thank you guys for what you did. I thought your idea was great. Obviously, when I said, that's a great idea, why don't you do it? What I never dreamed was what you would create. And watching you guys grow this has just been so much fun. And that's part of it. But part of it is how many people you helped and how many people you touched. And that's not something you can ever anticipate, but watching you guys do that, watching you guys do that with the book, watching you guys do that with Sarah Haddon, watching you guys do that with the community, it's been a huge positive for me. And I can't tell you how happy I am for both of you all. And so I just wanted to say thanks. And thank thank you for supporting us. Yeah, we couldn't have done it without you quite sincerely. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.